And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Greetings and welcome to Stark Bill. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Mike Trout is coffee at Starbucks with a double latte skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Starkville, now part of the Athletic Baseball Show, where you'll find great baseball talk all week long and all season long. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic, joined, as always, by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, and now the voice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glanville. Doug, you were at Wrigley Field over the weekend. You were calling Cubs Dodgers. In fact, you were in Chicago all week. And people keep telling us, man, that they love your Sunday night baseball travel tales. So what was the highlight of your trip this week? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's always a blast. Well, I was in Chicago the whole week, and we had uh, Cubs White Sox, and then it, it was Cubs Dodgers after that. So I kind of kept changing hats, you know, what I was doing. So, um, you know, so just seeing guys, of course, like Ozzie Gian, who's just priceless, you know, I saw him and talked to him. But one of my old teammates, you know, I ran into Ozzie Timmons I mentioned years ago, but my other outfield teammate with the Cubs is Brant Brown. And Brant oh, Brown, yeah. yeah, so Brant Brown, I, I've always followed, like I knew he was hitting coach and doing some guru stuff in Texas and Seattle and all this stuff. And then, um, I, you know, I watched the last couple of years with the Dodgers. So, so sure enough, you know, Brant's there, you know, working in the cage with all the Dodger hitters. And I had a chance to talk to him. And it's funny because looking back at Brant back in, even way back in A-ball, talking Daytona Beach in the Florida State <laughs> League, he was always next level. Like he, his mind, just the way he thought about things. And I remember one thing was, you know, he had these kind of quirks and things. And one thing was whenever, the, before the game started, he would get a bat and go out to center field, you know, pregame, and do his swings and warm-ups in center field, just like in the middle of the field. <laughs> so I was like, what is this guy doing? So, um, yeah, so, no, but it was, you know, once again, just a, a great reunion. And, and one cool thing I was able to do in Chicago is one of the promotional events with Marquee Sports, we went to see a Chicago Sky a WNBA saw, game. Saw your post, yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was a lot. Of, I mean, Candace Parker is amazing. She's like kind of Gretzky-like. I mean, you know, she just sees the court, and I was down on the court level uh, for the third quarter. Or so, yeah, so it was, you know, as usual, just fun to run into some some friends. And it's often surprises, you know, like, oh, there's Brent Brown, and Mark Pryor was there, 
And, uh, you know, he's pitching coach. And I remember reaching out to him when he first got hurt a while ago. And he, you know, it was appreciated, you know, staying in touch. So, yeah, it's a, it's a family reunion. <laughs> good names you just dropped there. <laughs> and I'm going to drop another good name on you. Dusty Baker. <laughs> uh, we've got Dusty Baker joining us this week, a few days after winning his 2,000th game as a manager, 2,000 more than you or me. Uh, but before we get to Dusty, uh, I, I want to do something different, Doug. You know how we usually start with something epic that happened in baseball in the last week? But the other day, one of the most shocking things ever to happen in sports went down at Churchill Downs, which is not a ballpark, as you know. Let's just hear the, the final moments of that thing. <laughs> coming down to the wire, epicenter's ended, Rich Strike is coming up on the inside. Oh my goodness, the longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Rich Strike. Is that a baseball name? <laughs> let's let's go with that. <laughs> that was the sound of Rich Strike, an 80-to-1 shot, winning the Kentucky Derby, much to the shock of everyone. Like, if you were listening, if you are watching the race, if you were listening to the call of the race, you, you, nobody even noticed this horse, un, basically, until it won. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, second longest shot ever to win the Derby. And you know how you can tell it was an upset? If, if you go to the press conference after these things happen, people say stuff. And in this case, the owner of this horse was a guy named Richard Dawson. The horse wasn't even supposed to run. Survey he, says that Richard doesn't. <laughs> no, the survey did not say. He, but he did. He, he purchased this horse as a claimer, a $30,000 claimer, and then... The horse wins the Derby, and he said at the press conference, what planet is this? <laughs> so, apparently, he was shocked that the planet that he lives on, he had just had a horse win the Kentucky Derby. And so, the, the more I thought about this, Doug, the more I thought, it, it really embodies in so many ways why we watch sports, why we care about sports. And that's because sometimes the impossible actually happens. And you and I, we've seen it happen. Uh, I was going to talk about the biggest upset I think I've ever covered. <laughs> and it, then I realized it, it, it involved a team that beat one of your teams. So I'll tell, you, I'll tell this story from my end, and then you can tell us what it was like from your end. So the team was the 2003 Marlins. Uh, they won that infamous Steve Bartman game, and they upset your Cubs. Then they upset the Yankees, the mighty Yankees, in the World Series. That team had a payroll about a billion dollars higher than theirs. <laughs> and, and not that there wasn't a ton of talent on that team. Um, not that Josh Beckett wouldn't have beaten any lineup ever the way he threw that October but the question was, how did that team ever get there? <laughs> this was their saga. Middle of May, they were 10 games under 500. They were 13 and a half out of first place. They weren't quite the Reds, but it was close. That's how bad a start they got off to. So Jeff Torborg, there was their manager. They fired him. They hired Jack McKeon, who had 
go on to become the oldest manager ever to win a World Series. Uh, there'd only been one team in history, which was the that 1914 Miracle Braves team that had ever been 10 games below 500 and then come back and won a World Series. There'd only been one other team in history that had ever fired its manager and then won the World Series. That was one of those George Steinbrenner Yankees teams. Um, and I saw that Marlins team play, if I remember right, it was 17 17 times in September and October. And they just had this thing going on where they thought they were never going to lose. They were just all these miraculous wins. And then came the Bartman game. But that was really the all-timer. And I knew those guys so well. I was the last media member left in their clubhouse after the game. And I still remember Andy Fox, I'm sure you remember Andy, yeah. looking over at Mike Lowell. And he says, Mikey, what just happened? <laughs> so, you know, that's a fun little upset tale, except for that one thing we should also remember, which is for every fun little upset, there's somebody on the other end who loses because of that upset. And in the case of the Marlins, that somebody was you. So, Doug, what do you remember about your Cubs losing that Bartman game, and then losing that series to that team? Well, you know, I remember I was traded at the trade deadline. And, you know, quite frankly, we weren't necessarily that great either. I think we were 500 maybe the day before I got there. So, you know, we weren't exactly lighting the division on fire, but all the teams were kind of bunched together. And it was an epic run. The five-game series against the Cardinals in September was one of the best series I've ever been a part of, or late August, September. And I uh, felt like there was some magic in the air. So Dusty was great, um, you know, positive and, you know, always communicating well. And so I remember, you know, losing game six. And yeah, certainly there was a stun, but it was also like, wait a minute, we're home. It's still game seven and Kerry Woods on the mound. So it wasn't, you know, yes, it was a way we lost, but it also felt like, okay, there's still a lot here that we're still in the driver's seat. And, and you could kind of feel the wheels falling off in, in, in the moment. I mean, I felt terrible for Bartman, you know, particularly because he was just a fan and every other fan was going for the ball. And I knew, I knew a lot kind of in real time about him having to get whisked off to a safe house and in disguise. And, and I remember talking to the security guard last year who was on the, the job that day. So, I, you know, I felt that was unfair and a burden, but, I, you know, I get it. I know people were passionate, but in the moment, Dusty was like, hey, you know what, let's get him tomorrow. He was, you know, he knew it was a tough loss, but it also was not insurmountable. So, I, you know, I remember, and the Marlins team, they, you know, they were fantastic. I mean, Miguel Cabrera, young Cabrera, they had, you know, Derek Lee and Yvonne Rodriguez and, um, you know, they were loaded. <laughs> they, yeah. They were, they were loaded. They were underperforming certainly early in the year. Um, so they made the right move. So, um, but yeah, I think getting, when he got knocked out, you know, I was on that, that one of those, uh, documentaries and I just sat on the bench. I didn't really go anywhere and I just stared out and it's hard to watch a team piling on each other and celebrating, obviously. Uh, but I also wanted to, didn't want to lose the moment that, you know, wow, I was in game seven of the NL, uh, CS and, you know, we got far. I did whatever I could. I got my one game winning hit and, and there's still magic in that. That was my only playoff appearance. And I had perspective that although it was the biggest stage, for me to even be there, first of all, I got hurt earlier in the season, tore my hamstring, sat out, had to do rehab assignment. I lost my father in the offseason. There was a lot of things that I overcame to get there that was bigger than 
the fact that there were 60,000 fans and it was the playoffs. That was that was awesome as a baseball, but it was a much more about all the things that the journey along the way of thinking, well, I, I didn't even have to be here. You know, I, I really could have, my career could have ended on that injury. So, you know, that, that helped me understand that, you know, it is remarkable to get that far. It wasn't the way I certainly, you know, scripted it. But the Marlins, you know, they just they just beat us. I mean, they beat Car- – when you beat Pryor and Wood back-to-back games, what are you going to say? I mean, those are those guys were unbelievable, great arms. And, um, you, know, you know, you just realize that sometimes it's out of your hands. Yeah, so, Doug, if we were to ask those horses from Saturday that lost to Rich Strike <laughs> what they were thinking later that night, you think that's how they would answer? Just happy to be here in Kentucky? No, Can they- I order a mint julep, please? Well, they would say something very profound. They would say, nay, nay. And that would be it. That would be it. Wow. I'm just blown away. I get chills thinking. All those horses looking at each other going, nay. <laughs> I think that's probably how it went. Uh, hey, on that note, why don't we talk to Dusty Baker? Uh, Doug, I don't know how many people have visited Starkville three years in a row, but you know who has? It's our next guest, the latest, greatest member of the 2000 Win Club, the manager of the Houston Astros, it's Johnny B. Dusty Baker. Dusty, we're honored to have you with us again, my friend. How are you? Well, I'm doing fine. I'm doing doing wonderful. Just uh, got here to the stadium. We're getting ready to catch a bus in about uh, an hour, hour and a half to go to uh, catch the plan to go to Minnesota to start that another long road trip, but, you know, we just completed a very successful homestand. I, I can't remember the last time, um, you know, we had a perfect record, uh, you know, during the, yeah. during the two, you know, two team stands. So hopefully now I'm looking for a perfect road trip. And, <laughs> well, uh, which I think I've had one time in my, in my career. Well, that was a perfect homestand for you in more ways than yes. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By, yeah by the way, do you guys know we've now had two members of the 2000 Win Club stop by Starkville just in the last three weeks? <laughs> yeah. Dusty really? Bruce Bochy was here a few weeks oh, ago. Yeah. All right. So I'm trying to think who should we invite next? Is Connie Mack available? <laughs> well, hey, man, if he is, I don't see him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, Bruce, uh, I, I, I had total admiration for Bruce, and uh, Bruce and I fought each other all the way up, you know, uh, you know, from the time he started with the Padres to the time I started with the Giants. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's a, a, a pleasure and, a, and an honor to be in the same uh, uh, group. I, I, you know, I heard from Tony La Russa, welcome to the, uh, 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 the club. Nice. And I heard from, you know, Joe Torrey, welcome to the club. And, you know, both those guys were teammates of mine when I first started as a youngster, Tony uh, actually got me sent to the minor leagues <laughs> and they kept and they kept him in 71 and then Joe was on the team when I signed uh, and my first call up in 1968 so uh, yeah we got a long long history and I'm I'm glad to be in a in a club with them like I said I told earlier I've never been in a club and uh, this is my first time I've ever been in a club well what what a cool club to join and you know, afterward, yeah. you, you hit the right notes, as you always do. Uh, you pay tribute to Jackie Robinson and Frank yeah. Robinson and your friend Cito Gaston. Uh, tell us why you mentioned the names of those men. Well, I mean, because they were very influential, especially starting as a kid. You know, my dad used to uh, talk about Jackie all the time. And, and whenever I'd get mad at school and sometimes, you know, I had a short, not sometimes, all the time, I had a short temper. 
and, and wanted to fight. My dad would always mention what would Jackie do, and I actually got tired of hearing what would Jackie do. But 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 you know he was right, and uh, uh, you know like I watched the Jackie Robinson story, uh, the the court martial of Jackie Robinson. I watched every uh, uh, movie out about Jackie, even the one starring him, and uh, you know did book reports and read on him. And you know I mentioned those guys. I played for uh, well, Cito was actually. On the team, when I first signed 1967, him and Ralph Gar uh, were on the Austin Braves, and I signed out of high school. And uh, Cito was was uh, was uh, three or four years older than me, might have been five, I don't know, but he took care of me. And the first ball hit to me. Uh, there were some 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 people that were let out of um, uh, on Thursday. They would march them down in Little Rock, Arkansas, yeah. and they were from a mill institution next door. And uh, I didn't know this, but I dropped the first ball hit to me and they were calling me a bunch of names and a bunch of racial this stuff that I'd never even heard. Some of them were pretty good. <laughs> Some of them were very original. <laughs> and I started crying and I wanted to go home and I wanted to, I was ready to get out of there. And because uh, I had prayed the night before or uh, a week before that the only team I didn't want to go to was the Atlanta Braves because I didn't want to go to the South. And uh, this was 1967, you know, racial unrest. They had Lester Maddox and, you know, uh, 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 Governor Wallace. And then it, it was it was tough. And so Cito um, said, hey, son, you know, not son. He said, nope. well, my nickname was the kid. He goes, hey, kid, I'll take care of you. And he says, come with me. And, uh, you know, we've been buddies ever since. Uh, one of the proudest cards that I'm on, bubblegum cards. I have a lot of them, but, you know, manager's card with Cito uh, and myself you know, on the same card and I uh, played for Frank. I remember when Frank was the player coach in Cleveland, you know, cause I always followed baseball. And uh, I also said Maury Wills, who was a good friend of mine, you know, who managed all the guys who managed really, you know, you know, ahead of me. So that's why I mentioned all those guys. And Dusty, I mean, at this point with all the perspective you've had in managing, what's the difference now between win number one and and win number two thousand. I mean, is there? Do you have new perspective on mm-hmm. that that first opportunity? Well, yeah, uh, and 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 I have a new perspective on the role of manager, which has changed over the years. And uh, I remember now, Rosen uh, uh, told me that the job is yours because I was about to interview with uh, uh, Bob Quinn, who was the general manager at the time. And he says, "Hey, the job is yours. Just don't screw it up and try to show them how smart you are." <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, like I, I had failed to mention that, you know, Peter McGowan, uh, um, you know, believed in me as, as, and you have to have somebody that, you know, that believes in you. Uh, somebody, uh, you have to have a town that's willing to accept uh, an African-American manager because every town, uh, you know, is not open to it. You know, like I always thought that Cleveland, you know, was probably more open to it than Frank Robinson back then because, you know, more than Cincinnati because Cleveland, you know, had Larry Doby and they had uh, 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 Satchel Page, who I played with and, uh, you know, with the Braves. And so the town has to be open to it. And and one of the major differences I feel between then and now is that the manager had more say-so and more control over over his personnel, uh, you know, decisions. You know, and back then they would say, okay, you believe in this guy? If he doesn't do anything, it's your fault, and I can I, I can deal with that. You know what I mean? And uh, but now it's more, hey man, um, 
uh, you know, we want this guy. And I'll say, no, I want this guy. And and most of the time you're outvoted. <laughs> See, back then the manager had a stronger vote. And uh, if the guy doesn't doesn't perform, it's not a matter of my butt or, or my decision. It's a matter that you're more uh, forced to say we when it wasn't really we. But if you don't say we, then you're not, you know, um, you know, a company man, which I've had uh, a couple of a couple of discussions, not here, but in previous jobs, that I needed a refresher course on being a, a better company man. And um, you know, I can be a company man if the company's right, but it's hard for me to say we if it wasn't we as a decision. You know what I mean? And if the company's wrong, I, I, it's hard for me to say uh, we. But that's why you end up getting getting fired. But, you know, Al Rosen, when I first took this job, he told me that, that managers are made to be fired, born to be fired. And and I said, and I totally disagreed. I said, Al, not me, man. I never been fired in, in my life of a job. <laughs> so, Oops. <laughs> so I was actually, yeah, thank you. I was actually fired three times. Well, not, I, I wasn't renewed twice with the same thing. And or people say, why'd you retire? And I tell them, I didn't retire, I was fired. And then and then one time I left in San Francisco, and then one time uh, um, uh, I actually was fired in Cincinnati with, you know, with a year to go. Yeah, and Dusty, I know you've mentioned that. I know, and the, and the thing we were doing, the Jackie Robinson uh, pieces earlier, you're talking about without explanation. I think that was something that you underscored. I mean... How different is it about the feedback that you get about, you know, whether the reasons for change, do you find that's also changed? Uh, yeah, where before they would kind of tell you, you know, we disagree with this or that or whatever. But now it's um, it's uh, it's more the famous. We're going in a different direction. And I always took exception to that one because what direction are you going other than the direction I'm trying to take you? <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, so, uh, but, you know, the most enjoyable time of the day for me is after the national anthem is sung. And that's what I missed when I was out because, you know, I was out three, three different times for two years at a time. And, you know, with no... Uh, um, uh, you know, without anybody even asking for my services, you know what I mean? And, um, um, you know, the thing that's, that keeps me going is, 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 a, is a thrill of competition to, to see the players uh, thrive and happy in, in their lives. And, and hopefully you can uh, help them achieve their lifetime goals uh, to be a, that's, you know, be the best player that they can be. Because how many how many people in life I tell my guys how many people in life reach their lifetime goal at 25 years old? I mean, most of the time you just you're not even out of law school yet. You know what I mean? You're not even through with your uh, you know being trained, being a being a doctor. And so uh, it, it's 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 really thrilling for me to see these guys reach a goal. And you know, quite frankly, you know what I can kind of do without is. It's pre and post game. I don't care if I ever do, a, you know, another uh, another podcast of life, but because because I don't really need. It. But but it's good for, you know, it's good for you guys and my friends, and good for the fans. You know, you know, they like to hear a different perspective other than just you and talking baseball. <laughs> you know, it's 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 ironic that you were talking about 
how the manager has less say nowadays. And yet you just kind of touched on this. Um, at a time when managers have maybe the least amount of autonomy they've ever had, more than ever, you're the face of your team. You're the voice of Correct. your team, right? Everybody comes to you every day before and right. after games for that perspective. Um, mm -hmm. How difficult can that be at times? Well, that, that's, that's very difficult. You know, it's easy to answer for your decisions. It's not easy to answer for everybody else's decision. And, um, you know, the decisions a lot of times, you know, the people that are really making the decisions don't have to say it at all. You know, I heard Dave Roberts say something, I think, in the playoffs uh, last year, year before, when, when he said it uh, as perfectly as you can say it, that, you know, he's only one vote. In, in the overall decision. Now that was a very intelligent, very subtle way of saying yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that it might not have been, uh, you know, his decision. And, um, but, you know, like, uh, I, I still think that baseball might be leaning back towards um, a combination of, of managers decisions and also decisions that, that, that come from, um, the numbers and above. And I've always used that combination. You know, everybody's like, oh, you know, did you go on your gut feeling? Well, sometimes, but most of the time I have a reason why I've done something. Or, I mean, even 20 years ago, you know, we didn't have sabermetrics, but we have, you know, pitcher batter matchup, right, left. We had, you know, which, which reliever to bring in was going to uh, uh, throw up a ground ball, uh, which guys you brought in, to that that were great with runners inherited there are some guys that had a great era but they give up whatever runs are out there but they don't give up theirs and there are other guys out there that hey man this guy will not give up he is stingy with giving up he knows how to throw up a double player he knows how to get out of a uh, i remember one year uh you know i wanted to trade for for chris Byer's son justin who I've been knowing since he was a kid because one year he was in Colorado, one of the most awesome stats I've ever heard or read about. Cause I, you know, I'll read their notes to find out who's heard, who's doing good and, you know, this different stuff. And, um, and he had 26 runners in, inherited and not one of them scored in Colorado. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, damn, I want that dude on my team. They're like, well, why do you want him? I said, well, this is why, you know what I mean? And so it's, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, I think it's, it's it's starting to go back to where you need both. You know, when you see managers like Tony Russo come back, and you see, uh, you know, Bucky Showalter and, and and Buddy Black still there, and different managers. You know, I, I think it's it's. It, I mean, you have to. One general manager told me he said that that one of the problems that he sees is that we are dehumanizing the game, and I think that was put up. I mean, you couldn't. You couldn't put it any more succinctly than that because it's still a game played by by humans. I mean, nothing. There are no absolutes uh, in my decisions. There are no absolutes in the number decisions. Uh, um, you know, but granted, it, like I tell my guys, if somebody tells you to go to Vegas and there's 80 percent chance that you'll be right, you play the same number every day for a week. Well, I got to take those odds. You know what I mean? I mean, some odds are just, I mean, sometimes things are going to go against the odds, but if I bring in a, a, 
a guy that throws ground balls and they hit it through the infield, well, he's done his job because if he comes in there 10 times and throw that same ground ball, there's a good chance he'll get, you know, seven out of out of 10, you know, double plays because this game is, a, it's always been a game of odds and, uh, but, but nobody can predict exactly what's going to happen. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, you mentioned Tony and Buck and the guys of your generation. And, uh, you know, it's funny to me how I think people still think of all you guys and, you know, certainly you've dealt with this as, quote unquote, old school. And yet anybody who's watched you manage, it's so obvious that you've evolved with the times on and off the field. I'm curious how different a manager you think you are now than you were two decades ago. Mm. I don't know. I like to think I'm not that that different, but see, I don't believe in old school and new school. I believe in the right school. You know, there's 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 a right way and the wrong way, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I've evolved. I mean, Bill Walsh used to always tell me, he says that you know you have to recreate yourself every once in a while. You know what I mean? Or every once in a while, you have to look at your own tendencies, am am I stealing every one old pitch? Am I hit and run every one and one pitch? And and sometimes you have to look not only at their tendencies, you have to look at your own tendencies to see if you're falling into uh, uh, patterns. Because there are other people that are are researching to see, you know, your pattern of doing things. But at the same time, uh, you know, I try to remain modern but with old morals and ideas because because still these these young men love to you know i think love is discipline you know and they love discipline and i i got a 22 year old and and you know he keeps me and a 42 year old daughter you know they keep me kind of up on on you know what's happening you know what i mean or i mean even they'll be like hey dad your pants too baggy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or dad hey man i don't think you can wear that shirt you know what i mean <laughs> you know they keep me up on on some music so so when i go in there and i hear them bumping certain sounds in there and i can and i can like chime in like dang old dude man you know man you know that song i said yeah heck yeah i know that song well, i know it because my my son played it <laughs> you know what i mean so uh, uh, you know, like I, I was just listening to Buddy Guy this morning because I listen to music every morning to put, put me in a, whatever state of mind I want to be in. And uh, while I'm in the bathroom, you know, I talk to 
series a series play play buddy guy and uh and, and so this this morning i was listening to buddy guy but uh and, and he had a song on there that that also he had um uh jeff beck playing the guitar with him he also had keith richards playing the guitar with him from the stones and i was like well why is it that that these young musicians try to get all they can from from you know from the old dudes and but in baseball you know we want to run the old dudes out you know another day I was listening to my man John Lee Hooker and John Lee had Carlos Santana playing with him he had a uh, you know BB King had a uh, uh, Eric Clapton uh, playing with him and I'm like well well why can't why can't they use our minds uh, uh, you know the same way that the musicians use you know, the other dude's uh, minds and experience to, you know, to get better. Well, and, and Dusty, I mean, you you started off and, you know, it sort of reminds me of what you talked about when you first got a coaching job, right? And and some of that was on the heels mm -hmm. of sort of controversy with the Dodgers and Jackie Robinson and Al Campanis. And, and Al Campanis' mm -hmm. son has done tremendous work to sort of rectify things. But I think um, right. I, I'm curious about, the fact that you do have these perspectives because you you have direct experience in all these different points of view in how to lead young players. Well, you know, uh, Al Campanis, <clears throat> I don't have a whole bunch. Of, I have nothing but good to say about Al Campanis other than, you know, what he made his statement. Because, see, Al Campanis was as fair to, to, to all the minorities of Latins and Black dudes as anybody there. So if Al felt like that how did everybody else feel <laughs> you know what i'm saying dude and i was like and 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 because of al campanis i got my break see and my dad used to tell me all the time that hey man you gotta you gotta turn a, a negative into a positive well if al campanis had to say what he said and in america try to try to uh do the reverse and attitude and, and hiring practices right after that you know they hired don baylor uh, 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 Hal McRae, uh, Cito Gaston, and myself as coaches that eventually became managers. And and sometimes it takes a person of the opposite color to say something in order to get uh, um, action. Because if, if 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 a black, I mean, we've been complaining about the same thing for a long time. Okay, and after a while, it's like okay. Just another complaint, and then watching that. But as soon as somebody uh, 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 of non-color says it, then then people are in a hurry to show, hey man, that's not how it really is, and that's not how we are, and let's kind of ratify, you know, ratify this. So uh, you know, out of a out of a negative statement came some some positive results for us. You know, Dusty, I got to thinking about all the star power on the teams you've managed. Uh, just incredible, the array of stars uh, who have been in your dugout. I, I'd love to hear your take on a, on a few of them, what these guys were like, maybe your favorite story about each of them. I, hard not to start with Barry Bonds, who, by the way, drove in the winning run in the first game he ever managed. Oh, yeah. And you know something? Uh, Barry Bonds' father, oh, you know, my dad was Bobby's, little league coach wow. and so i helped barry the day he was born and bobby was 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 the man in our town of riverside bobby everybody wanted to be like bobby bonds 
Now, Bobby was a guy that, that scored five touchdowns, scored 30 points in basketball with his state track meet. Uh, uh, the kid that threw a no-hitter and hit two home runs. I mean, Bobby was the man. And Bobby had the prettiest girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I was a big Bobby Bonds fan. But, but and Barry, uh, Bobby knew Barry was going to be great as a kid. You know, I mean, he used to tell me that all the time. You know, somebody tells you, hey, man, you know, my son's going to be good. <laughs> just like I, my favorite story is was a uh, was a uh, big Jim Bibby told me about his brother Henry Bibby that that was gonna be a great star in basketball and I was like yeah okay man then I saw Henry he's the same size as me and big Jim like and he ended up yeah he ended up being a star but you know something the one common denominator that 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 all the stars that I've had and the one thing that's kind of bothering me is that. Uh, uh, almost all the guys in the Hall of Fame, except I think me and Bruce Bochy. No, no, Bruce Bochy um, has, has has Tony Gwynn. You know, I don't have a Hall of Famer, and and you know they play for me. Wait, you you managed Griffey? Yeah, well, yeah, not long. I'm sorry, <laughs> I managed Griffey. Yes, I, I just, did. Yes, I did. Go. But feel better now. You know, I'm thinking. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm thinking all. Yeah, the, you... man, I've had some great players. Right. I mean, I had. A, Moises Salu, I mean, he was uh, one of the clutch men. Aramis uh, uh, Ramirez, D. Lee, Derek Lee, and, and and I had Kenny Lofton, and I had uh, Jeff Kent. Uh, uh, like you said, Ken Griffey, and I also had a guy that that's that's way underrated to me was Ellis Burks. I mean, you know, like he was, you know, one of the best players that I had. Then I get to Cincinnati, I had Jay Bruce, and I had Joey Votto, and I mean, I had some guys. I had some super egos now, but you know, some I respected them and they respected me because I used to tell them, "Hey, man, I don't care how much money you're making. I make good money too." <laughs> you know, I was a star at one time. I might not shine as bright as you, you know what I mean, or as for as long. But you know, but I know what the feelings like, and I know what sometimes what the loneliness can be like being a star. You know what I mean? Or sometimes you don't know who's who's for you or who's who who who's for you because of who you are or trying to use you. And so I always felt that I had, you know, quite a bit, you know, in common with the, you know, a lot of these guys. And like I said, I had Sammy Sosa. Now, man, I was like, man, I had some guys that could play and, and that could really play. And then, and then I had some guys that they didn't, they didn't like that much that they, that they didn't think could play like Richard Rillia. And then he ended up hitting 35 and I told him, you're my shorts. Stop. Or Martin Bernard, I saw him the other day. They he's a sixty-third round draft choice. And so I got a special spot in my heart for those that that weren't highly touted um by by the organizations. And I remember that Tom Lasorda to me was maybe a better scout than he was a manager because then, you know, he could he could see if you could play and say, I was on the I was on the Braves. And he told me, man, how you belong on the Dodgers, man. You got a Dodger body. You play like the Dodgers. And, and then they end up trading for me. This is what I was – and I was like, dang. And then they, when I got there, Tommy, you know, took Bill Russell out of center field, I guess, put him in short. And took David Lopes out of center field. This is when the manager had power and put him in second base. And then uh, Steve Garvey, I think, was a, was a third base and put him at first. And then Bill Buckner put him in left. And so you you have to 
be a talent evaluator uh, and know body types, know their actions, know the arms, know everything if you're, you know, going to be a good scout. And uh, this is what more than managers were then. They they trusted the, the scouting prowess of the of the manager. You know, I was going to ask you the secret to managing stars. You just spelled that out so eloquently. But sometimes you also have to manage aging stars. It feels like Griffey would fit into that category, right, when you first got to Cincinnati? Well, great question. Because, uh, um, you know, we had a discussion, and, uh, and I didn't think he liked me for a long time. You know, because I was no, but I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, I tried to, I tried to tell him, but like Hank Aaron told me, you know, like they they moved me from, from, from center field, but I was like younger to right field, uh, and, and you know, so rolling off as the young legs could play, uh, in center field, and I've used this to this day, you know, let the young, let the young legs, let the young Phillies play center field. You know what I mean? And. Uh, um, I, I, and I try to talk Griff in, into going to right field. I said, you go to right field, you just cover this much ground, and you can still throw, and you just throw everybody out, and you'll be hitting forever and ever. But, but it's a tough sell, you know, when you're, when you've been so good and so, uh, you know, so, so graceful for uh, a certain amount of time. And I talked to, I remember talking to Tony Russa. Uh, um, I don't think it was about that time. It might have been earlier. He told me that the hardest person to manage is a is the aging star, and because uh, he says on some days he's still a star, and on some days he's aging, and uh, and on and and whatever day it is, he doesn't know, and you don't know when it's going to be a star that he always was, or he's going to be aging because it, you know, it happens to us all. That's that's a very good question. Well, uh, thank you. Let me ask you about one more aging star you managed. Some guy named Doug Glanville. <laughs> right. What was that like? <laughs> right on. Well, that, hey, Doug was easy. I mean, I mean, he always paid attention. I mean, I, I catch him looking at me all the time. You know how you catch that phone looking at you all the time? It's like, it, and trying to figure out, hey, man, what was your next move? Or that, that, that's what let me know. You know, I didn't know Doug's background, you know, in, in the beginning. But, you know, like he was uh, – he should have played longer than he played, and I I, I believe that. And and see, uh, especially back back then, it's a little bit different now, but not much. You know, as a, as a minority player, most of the time you couldn't be a, a fourth outfielder or be a utility man. See, you you either had to be a starter and a star, or else or else there wasn't wasn't a job for you. But I mean, but nowadays the way guys play 120 130 games and 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 you know we have rest rest doctors that that, that talk to you about <laughs> right yes <laughs> yeah yeah load management <laughs> Evidently, they don't have they don't have a lot of bills and whoever's this guy is load management <laughs> he ain't thinking about no load management he thinks about paying the bills you know what I'm saying but but nowadays, load management is is is, uh, is a big deal. I mean, uh, I got guys that come in, my uh, my fitness guys, and they have like um, guys, uh, you know, it's like a stop stoplight. 
They got green, yellow, and red. And if a guy's green, boom, boom, he probably hadn't done much. And if a guy's yellow, he's run the bases a little bit. If a guy's red, then he's playing a lot, or or he ran two triples yesterday and, and a double. So you got to watch him because he might he might come up lame. And so, uh, like I was, I know I changed the subject, but that's and you know something I I uh, I um two years ago was it two years ago or last year our load management guy came in and uh, we had one more day to go before an off day. And um, uh, Bregman, I knew that he was in the yellow, right? Borderline pink to red. And I said, well, I can get him one more day out of here and then uh, he'll have an off day tomorrow. Well, he pulled a hammy that night. And so he was out for two weeks and I told my guy, I said, hey, I'm sorry, man. I said, you know, I mean, I had to change from old school to, <laughs> to load management school <laughs> and, so, and so i listen to him a, i listen to him a lot more now than i <laughs> than i did before that happened well yeah no, dusty i mean no i appreciate your insights and uh look i mean you've been a mentor and a father figure and and so yeah part of the reason i was looking at you was i lost my dad in the off season in 2002 and i was uh, you know, yeah. and I was, I was, and I got my 1000th hit on the day he passed away and, uh, and off of Carl Pavano. And, and so I buried him with that baseball, but then there was a, a different world now all of a sudden to try to figure out. And I think I appreciated the timing of playing for you because you kind of filled that void. You really, um, and I think it's because, you know, not just for me, you treat everybody like family, you know, you, your, your teams are families. You, yesterday because yesterday was the first mother's day without yeah. without my mom yeah so, yeah man. Feel you, you know? yeah my mom died january 31st and then my grandson second grandson was born 10 days later so like uh, I, I was having trouble early in the year dealing with um emotional stuff because i didn't i wasn't sad i wasn't glad I wasn't, I was kind of in a state of, of nothing. And that's why the, the lockout wasn't all bad for me because I got to spend time with my son uh, on a daily basis. And then I got time because I, I, I went to spring training emotionally tired. And if you start tired, man, you're going to burn out come halfway. So that, that, that lockout, it was bad. But, um, you know, it helped, it helped me get rest. It helped me watch the uh, minor leaguers on a daily basis because I hadn't seen the minor leaguers play and, or, or or do my scouting to help our organization make the decisions instead of just listening to what I'm told all the time. And and it, it was it was really pretty pretty uh, fun and exhilarating to watch these guys and say, who's that kid or who's that kid? And I mean, this was, I felt like it was it was kind of back in the day when I used to go over there and 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 watch a young man that you kind of like. It's like picking out a puppy, you know, it's like <laughs> with the big feet and broad shoulders and no chest and big old head. Look like one day he might be something, you know. And then all these because I was the same. I was the same way, you know. So it was really, like I said, it was um, it, it was a bad situation that that. You know that we turned 
good. Uh, hey, look, I know you got a plane to catch. I, I, I want to ask you one more family thing because the night yep. that you won number 2000, a really cool <laughs> thing happened in your family, which was that night yeah. your son Darren got the walk-off RBI in his game yeah. for the Wilmington Blue Rocks. And I'm thinking yeah. you and Darren must have had quite a conversation that night. Can you share how that yeah. went? Yeah, well, actually, you know, we had, we had it the next morning because, you know, like he had to get his rest. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, he's dedicated to what he's doing. But, like, he knows uh, uh, above all, um, I, I talk about clutch hitting. And, uh, and and not leaving that runner, and I see it every day, not leaving that runner on third base less than two outs. Get him home. I don't care how you get him home. And uh, that, was, that, that was our conversation. He goes, Dad, I know, man, because I was thinking about what you were talking about. Because I have a – you know, we have uh, eight varietals of, of Baker family wine, and one of them is a walk-off <laughs> um, walk bread. Walk-off bread. And uh, – yeah, and last year during the playoffs, Carlos Correa, you know, hits a walk-off homer. And the first thing he did is come <laughs> my office and want to know who Paul Red was. <laughs> so, and, and then I gave one to Jeremy, Jeremy Pena, uh, a couple weeks ago. He had a walk-off, and so that's that's a, that, you know that was the source of our conversation because see, nowadays they 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 don't put enough importance on on RBIs. Yeah, they put a lot of importance on on base percentage, but that that's good. That's the starter. That's the start before the RBI. If you don't have anybody on, then but I can understand it. But the, you know the same guys seem to drive in runs all the time. And, you know the same guys are in the top ten, batting average. Ray Doug. I mean, you know, especially when I was a kid, it was the same guy, right? Mike yeah, Schmidt. Guys, you know. <laughs> Pete Rose, the same guys, you know, Bill Madelon. I mean, they might have a different spot of one to ten, but they were going to be there with the same way with RBI guys, you know, and the same guys like like um, Miguel Cabrera just left here. And I was like, man, this dude was one of those clutching his cats. I mean, uh, uh, for runners on third, and he struck out the other day, and that's the first time I've ever seen that because infield back, he's going to hit a ground ball, you know, uh, uh, sacrifice fly, whatever it is, you know. Actually, my son's walk off was a walk off sacrifice fly, and uh, and I told him I think I had, I don't know, I mean I think I had twenty some, twenty five or something, and people are like, oh yeah, twenty five walk off homers. No, I probably had five or six, but I had a walk off walk, I had a walk off, walk off sack fly, and a walk off something. You know what I mean? So just as long as you, as long as you walk them off. So, so that conversation, it was more about him and his walk off than it was about your magical night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's what we do for our kids, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly. And you know, something I I try not to talk about me too much. You know, to to, to, to my kid or to my to my players out here. You know, because I I remember when I first took this job. Uh, Lou Brock had a conversation. I never heard Hank Aaron brag ever about nothing, nothing he ever did ever. And you know, I asked him, I said, "Hey man, who's the, you know, who's the, you know, who's the, who do you talk to?" You know, uh, my question is always, 
you know, who motivates the motivator? Okay. So I said, Hank, who do you talk to when, you know, when you need some instruction? He told me, stand the man mutual without hesitation. Now, I might ask some other players. They told me, and they probably say, myself, you know what I mean? He said, I talk to stand the man mutual. And I remember Lou Brock, when he went into the broadcast booth up there, uh, he told me, he told me, be careful. Do not get greater in your own mind than you were. And remember that you struck out. Remember that you missed the ball out there in the outfield. Remember you got thrown out on the bases because sometimes the longer we're away from the ball, uh, you know, from, from the field, you know, we have a tendency to forget, you know, that we messed up too. Well, tell you what, you can leave the part about talking about you to us. <laughs> we can handle that part. You're easy to hey, talk about. Hey, Doug, Doug, thank you big time. But see, I don't read, my wife reads it. Yeah, I don't like, I don't like watching me on TV. I don't like reading about me. It just, you know, because uh, I don't know. Just trying to stay, trying to stay humble. That's all. You can write, man. You're good, too, Doug. Go on, dude. All right. All right. I gotta catch the I gotta catch the, the bus and we go on to uh, the airport to go to Minnesota. Dusty, great great to have you stop by Starkville, man, and uh, go have a perfect road trip and a perfect season. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over twenty years, providing a one hundred percent guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, Doug, you know how we follow that amazing conversation with Dusty Baker? With a little Dusty Baker trivia, huh? I love it when that happens. Uh, this is just what we do here in the world-famous listener trivia segment, our wave involving you, our favorite listeners in this show. Uh, we'll tell you how you can be part of this segment in just a few minutes. But first, let's welcome in this week's special trivia guest star. It's Sean Millerick. Hey, Sean, welcome to Starkville. Uh, I know you're a baseball writer yourself, right? So why don't you tell us where you're from, where you live, and tell our listeners where they can find your work. Hey, Jason. Hey, Doug. Happy to hey. be here. I'm, uh, I grew up in Miami Beach. I, I live in Lubbock, Texas now, so I'm a Florida expat, but Marlins fan <laughs> since 93. Um, you could read my stuff at call to the pen and i also occasionally contribute to the uh here's the pitch newsletter for ibwa and I know that. yeah marlin's found my whole life it's it's, it's a tough right. ride yeah, <laughs> top of the mountain twice and 
Yeah, let, mm-hmm. let me let me ask you about this. Uh, there are not a lot of living Americans who describe themselves as Marlins fans. Yeah. So what's what's the best thing about being a Marlin fan? Uh, I probably get the most joy out of how many more no hitters we've had than the Mets. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> the, and, and the other day they had six guys combined. Five or six guys combined for a no hitter, I think. They, yeah, uh, it's kind of weird. Marlins have had yeah. six real ones. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the, the combined no hitters don't count as real no hitters? Uh, no. Don't tell anybody in New York that. <laughs> yeah, well, you, hear, you, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear you. <ya. laughs> All right. So, so, Doug, you know, Sean actually gave us a choice of two trivia questions. Yes. And I don't know what's wrong with us, but we actually picked the harder one. <laughs> yes. Doug, what is wrong with us? Uh, gluttons for punishment, but, you know. Yes. That's all good. We're, we're, we're good. <laughs> all right. See, so the truth, Sean, is the first question was probably too easy, especially because you're a Marlins fan, right? So, obviously, we want you to stump us. <laughs> we're going to see if you can. Why don't you hit us with your question, the hard one? All right, guys. So I'd like for you to answer today for trivia is if you can tell me the top five managers in terms of active managers in terms of their war from their playing days. Mm. Okay. So um, now your original question was we were supposed to name the only active manager with more career wins above replacement than Dusty. Um, So does, okay, this question do these top five active managers include Dusty, or are we supposed to get you, the five besides him? That is correct. So the four other than Dusty. Dusty is on the list. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. that was four like, other. Right. That was all. The, all right, so, yeah. Okay. So, all right. So, Ooh. obviously, Don Mattingly is the one. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we, we have to get three more. Oof. Okay. Um, and I think we have 20, 21 other managers who played in the big leagues to choose from. Uh, Don Mattingly was the only star. Mm-hmm. So now the question is, all right, who played a really long time yeah. and made an impact? Yes. I, it feels to me like David Bell and Aaron Boone mm. should be in this group. Um, let's keep their names yep. aside. Okay. Then, Joe Girardi had a long career. Mm-hmm. Mike Matheny had a fairly long career. Yep. Bud Black was a pitcher. Had some really good years. Mm. Davey Martinez. Mm. He, had a, he had a stretch as a regular player. Oof. And then, like, you know, there's a lot of guys, Doug, it feels like who almost had the same career. Yeah. Craig Council, Dave Roberts, mm. um, Scott Service, David Ross. Bob Melvin. There's a lot of backup catchers. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've got three of them. I think Ugh. you can. You, why don't you help rescue us? I mean, well, Larusa. La did he? How long did he play? Didn't he have? No. He. I mean, I, I know Dusty just told that story about yeah. how he got sent to the minors so that team could keep no. Tony on the team, but he didn't. He, he didn't play. Him. Alex Cora. I mean, he played forever. Alex. Alex played for a long time. He was a backup yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Well, Gabe Kapler. I mean, he was. Gabe Kapler. When, uh, it, it didn't last. Yeah, that you're long. trying to think. But, you know, we need. Yeah, I think it drops off pretty quickly. Baker Mattingly. I mean, I played with Bell. I mean, yeah, he was hurt a lot. <clears throat> um, I mean, Boone sounds pretty good. Um,. Aaron Boone. You're supposed to be coming up with the other guys. Yeah, I don't, well, sorry, Francona. I mean, he. Yeah, he, 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 had, three, he got hurt right away. Or, oh, jeez. All right. It was a big. 
Golden Spikes winner, well, the, but then he got Is this one like defensive war or is like this is like yeah, well, okay, I just it overall. still counts. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well what about like Matheny? Matheny was a great defender, but the question was mm. you know, catcher war is not always very precisely measured. Oh, this is so that's rough. why I was thinking it wasn't him. <laughs> I mean, oh man! I come on, he played, just come he, up he with played somebody. forever, though. All right, I mean Boone, you, <clears throat> Boone I, Bell. I think it's Bell and Boone, and then what and about then, Gir Girardi on. or Matheny? Like, what do you think? What do you, I, I'm gonna just throw it out there: Girardi or Matheny? Joe played longer than Mike did. Did he? Um, did he start? He did start a while. New York, right? Yeah. I think he was a very good defender. Didn't hit as well, probably, right? No. No, he had almost all, no offensive contribution. Uh, right. didn't make a big one either. You don't think Dave Martinez or Bud Black? I don't know about Black. I mean, yeah, I, I do remember. Bud, yeah, Bud Black was a starter, right? I mean, he was... Yeah, all right. it's a, all right. I don't know. All right, I can go with Bud Black. It's just, you want to go Bud Black? Yeah, we'll just drop the catchers. Forget them. Uh, Boone, uh, Bell, I, Bud Black, Mattingly, Baker. That's what we have. Right. Mm, tough one. Okay. Wow. All right. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, Sean, what we do is we throw a lot of names out there, talk ourselves out of the right ones, <laughs> guess the wrong ones. Let's just do our thing here. So um, is there any chance <laughs> it's – all right, we're going to assume it's Dusty. Don Mattingly. Aaron Boone, David Bell, and Bud Black. Bud Black was one of them. He is on, right. he, he is fifth on the list in terms of active fifth. war. But wow, Bell that's... and Boone were high overall, but they're not in there. They're still missing two. Oh no! Wow. Really? All right, just give us the answer. Yeah, that's a tough one. Going... Well, as yeah, it kind of set up as a Marlins fan. The other two are actually Mark Kotze and Craig Council. Kotze. That's right. I forgot Katze's taken. Mark Katze was a good player. Yeah. Yeah. We did kind of skip over him. I wrote his name down. Um, I don't know why I didn't mention him just now. But at any rate, this is what we do. Um, I, I, but I'm thinking that this strategy of picking really hard questions, it's it, – it, on the one hand, we get them all wrong. On the other hand, it makes me feel better because yeah. it's so much easier to rationalize when we do get them wrong. <laughs> so, and nevertheless, I, I, I believe we've now gone off the tracks – but it's six of our last seven. You concerned about this at all, Doug? No, because, you know, I think we keep getting these multiple answers, right? We always get like three out of five, four out of five. I think we need to go with like the one answer one, something like yeah, that. Like, that. yeah, let's just like who won the MVP in 1922 or something like that, which of course didn't happen. You know, you're right. Sean tried to give us a little BP fast. <laughs> we didn't take and it. No, we decided, no, we didn't want that. We're going to go for a hard one. We're not doing that anymore. Yes, well, okay, we're going to pick the easiest question every week. Just get it right. Well, I like this well, strategy. I feel like the hard ones do, you know, <laughs> helps us educate ourselves and the audience. That's, so that's a good part. But I don't want to really educate right now. I want to get some right. Yeah. So, right, we're over it. Yeah, we're over it. We're over educating. <laughs> we're done. All right, whatever. Whether we get the question right or wrong, we all know what the highlight of this segment is. It has nothing to do with us. It's that magic moment when we bring in the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, and then he plays another great play-by-play -play clip that involves one of the answers and distracts everybody. So, Tim, what do you got for us this week? I was going through these guys, and there's not a lot of, like, standout great moments in their careers. Um, <laughs> Wait, so Don Mattingly I, had another great right, moment? Right, right. 
So I, I almost went with Mark Kotze's inside the park homer from the playoffs. <laughs> that was a good, it's a good call. Well, Council scored but, the winning run, right? Didn't he? Yes! Yeah, almost, and Council, and Council was another good one. Council had a home run in a game one. Uh, but we're going to go with Mattingly since he was first on the list. He did finally get to that postseason in 1995, and he had a big moment and with a great call from Gary Thorne. Don Mattingly. The fans want a dinger out of him. This one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the roof. Goodbye, home run. Don Mattingly. Hang on to the roof was the decider. Oh, my God, what a call. (laughs) Gary Thorne, so good. Gary, miss you, man. Miss listening to you. Miss seeing you at the park. That was great. Great call. And I, that was an amazing series. Amazing. Uh, it didn't end that well for, for Don Mattingly and the Yankees, but so grateful that he had that moment. I think we've played it before, actually. Anyway, Sean, excellent question. Yeah, a lot of Please fun. Please come back and visit us again sometime, all right? Will do. Thanks so much. Yeah, Keep up thanks, the good work. Thanks, Sean. Hey, thank you. You too. Thanks, man. All right. Very good. Strange but true. That creepy, strange but true music. It's time for another edition of The Strange But True, where we look back and laugh at something weird that went on last week. Uh, Doug, I, I got a good one item from my most recent Weird and Wild column, which is full of this stuff, by the way. Uh, this happened last Tuesday, okay? Uh, let's just set it up this way. A funny thing happened that night to our friend Max Scherzer. Dom did not think that was a strike. Wait, did he call that a strike? He I thought he did. called that a ball. That ball wasn't even really very close. Meanwhile, Max Scherzer doing some barking at the home plate umpire. Sure, he doesn't have to pitch in this series. He can bark all he wants. <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't think he cares. He's, no. He's intense, protecting his teammates. And we just found out that Max Scherzer was ejected. So if you weren't paying much attention. And you heard the next day, hey, Max Scherzer got ejected from a game, you'd say. Well, that makes sense. Max is a fiery competitor. But wait, he got ejected from a game he was not even pitching in. But but this isn't really even the strange but true part. After the game, Doug, Buck Showalter says, hey, I'm sure that won't be the last one Max gets this year. And wait, uh, you know, We've talked to Buck a lot. We've both known him for years. I can't think of any previous moment in my life when I knew something about baseball that Buck didn't know. But when I heard him say this, my ears kind of perked up because I didn't know something about this. Because Max never gets ejected. He's only been thrown out of two games in his career. One was this one. The last one was nine years ago. Doug, I still haven't gotten to the strange but true part. Here it comes. The last ejection, which was back in 2013, was for the same thing, yelling about balls and strikes from the dugout in a game he wasn't pitching in. <laughs> so two ejections from games he was not in. Doesn't this feel like the most Max Scherzer thing ever? Oh, completely. <laughs> completely. I mean, you know, look, you know Scherzer is super fiery, but... You know, he's the ultimate competitor. And 
it doesn't matter whether he's playing. It's his team. It's his team. And he's out there, game on, always paying attention, looking for outlets to, to you know, <laughs> get into fights if he needs to. But that's that's his game, and that's what makes him, you know, such a well, great pitcher outside of just doing it for a long time. And everywhere he goes, he's, he's an ace. He's a guy that sort of takes the reins. And part of that is supporting your teammates and your pitchers because you care that they are, you know, they might be getting a little squeezed or whatever, and he wants to do his part to help his teammate out. So, I mean, that that's that's Max. And I, I remember, you know, when Joe Girardi had like, you know, the whole thing when they, they, they were doing the testing on see if he had sticky substances coming off the field and Girardi kind of called it twice and all that. And, and I thought he might get ejected that day because yeah, he didn't get ejected that right, day. Cause he was at first, he was kind of up against the umpire and then it was more Girardi. So, um, so yeah, you give bandwidth, especially to ace pitchers. Like, I'm like, all right, this is a big game. It's the playoffs where we're going to have a little more bandwidth before we throw you out of the game. I mean, this is your starter. You could destroy an entire bullpen by throwing out Max Scherzer in the second inning. So I think they get a lot of room, but I, I am kind of surprised it's never happened in-game, but it doesn't shock me. It happens when he's literally not pitching. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know who else was very fiery back in the day? That would be you, Doug. You, was, you were a fireball. Yeah. How many times you, were you ejected from a game again? Just remind us. It, well, in Major League Baseball, zero. Uh, not, I don't even think I even came close. I mean, I, I never. I mean, you never even got into an argument. No, I mean, I, you know, there was a close play at first. I kind of said something, and, and he turned out to be right. So I, I kind of, you know, you didn't get ejected over the runner's lane. I, I should have, yeah. <laughs> and I got called on that in Florida with Castillo covering first for the Marlins. Uh, but no, I mean, I said something to Joe West early in my career. That was a mistake, but that wasn't even like snarky. It was like, he's like, check the rule book, son, you know, whatever it was about. Uh, it was a running lane. Actually, it was a running lane. <laughs> and, um, so no, I never got ejected in big league game, but I did, you know, we got a bunch of brawls, uh, and, but in the minors, we really got into a lot of brawls. So one of them was my fault. Um, I got thrown out in double a, uh, thrown at with Greenville is that Braves double a team and the guy before me hit a home run. It was already a blowout and I knew the pitcher was frustrated. So, and I was sitting that day. Well, they pinch hit me for, for Derek Wallace, who was starting, who had just hit their guy uh, unintentionally, but the guy, the only guy who got any hits off him that day, he hit him. So I went in pinch hitting and I said, and I told my teammates, they're going to throw at me. I'm going to charge the mound. And they said, nah, you're never going to do that. No way. I said, I'm telling you, if they throw my head, I'm going to charge the mound. So sure enough, first pitch was kind of in, a couple pitches away, the last one over my head, and I charged the mound. And I kept my helmet on. I wasn't like these guys that take their helmet on. What are you doing? So I, <laughs> I went in head first, and the, I got in a headlock, but I knocked him off the mound and knocked him clean off the mound. And then I got in, in a full Nelson by the first baseman. But Richie Graham, you know, one of my favorites, he was out there clean and shop. For, not a big guy, but he was our first base coach and kind of got everybody off me. So I charged him out. I got booed. I got ejected. And then I got a letter from the president. I think it was, it was Bragan, Bobby Bragan, I think it was. And uh -huh. he said, um, it was actually complimentary. You're a pretty good player. Uh, it's a testament to your, <laughs> however, we, we don't condone, you know, fighting. So here's pay your $30, $35 fine. And uh, and I, I didn't get suspended, so that was it. So that was my one time I got ejected. That was it. You know, we've had we've had a lot of um, memorable moments here in the history of Starkville. This was one I never expected we would get to. <laughs> Doug Glanville gives tips 
on how to charge the <laughs> Where What? Never take your Wait, helmet off. <laughs> I'm going to bring this show full circle. What planet are we on? <laughs> okay, that's going to do it for this week's show. We'll be bringing you podcast magic just like this all season long on the Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety absolutely free everywhere you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to read more from me on these goofy, strange, but true moments that are always happening in baseball, or if you want to read any of the incredible writing in The Athletic, I can tell you how to do that. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball show. And if you're a new subscriber, you can subscribe for $1 a month. That's $1 for the next six months. Amazing. But also remember, you too can be part of this podcast. Every show, we pick the most fun listener trivia question of the week. Then that listener gets to join us right here and prove once again, there is almost no baseball trivia question we can't get wrong. So to do that, you just need to submit that question either via email at starkville at theathletic.com or via the Twitter where you can tweet Doug Glanville at D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. That's at Doug Glanville. You don't even have to spell my whole name, just Jason S-T, at J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. One more thing. Hashtag those questions. Hashtag StarkvilleQS. So, Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Dusty Baker for joining us. Thanks to Sean Millerick for the fun trivia question, which we bungled. Thanks to the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. Tomorrow is Roundtable Day here at the Athletic Baseball Show. And Doug and I will see you next Tuesday on Starkville. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.